Hey everyone, welcome to the Adrian Tan Show. In this episode, we'll be talking about generative AI, a rapidly evolving technology with the potential to transform the workspace. We'll discuss the findings of a new survey by Salesforce, which found that Singaporean workers believe that generative AI is key to career advancement, but many have anxieties about keeping up. We also talk about the potential for generative AI to transform the workplace, how businesses can enable and empower the workforce with AI training, and how organizations can support employees to embrace and adapt to Gen AI. Our guest today is a returning one, is Gavin Barfield, Vice President and Chief Technology Officer for Solutions Salesforce ASEAN. Gavin has over 20 years of experience in the IT industry with deep background in emerging technologies. He's a regular speaker at international conferences and forums on the future of disruptive technology and how they affect people and work. Gavin, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. I'm delighted to be back on your show again. Thank you so much for the invite. And today we'll be discussing a bit more about generative AI. I know we spoke a bit about AI the last time you came onto the show, but maybe we could just try to start from the very beginning. What's your personal definition of generative AI and how are you personally using it in your daily course of work? Well, I mean, AI has exploded on the scene really over the past 12 months, but none of this is new. Uh, Salesforce set up their first AI research center nearly a decade ago. And uh, we have now been running uh, Einstein predictive analytics and predictive AI at scale since 2016. So an interesting factor, Adrian, that actually globally on the Salesforce platform, we do over 1 trillion predictive AI uh, predictions every single week. So already that predictive AI is running at scale. But as you said, you know, what's come recently is the ball, there's the, the generative AI, the birth of generative AI which is not really looking back at predictions from historic data, it's generating new content, whether that's new images, new text, new videos, new sounds, et cetera. And this is what's opening up this whole new world of, of AI and really what is fueling uh, the current excitement around some of these interesting use cases. And I think we all use this in our daily life. I mean, I'm, I use generative AI tools, apps on my phone to help me do, help me drive, help me do some research, particularly if I'm coming meeting somebody for the new time, meeting a new client. I'm able to use these tools to find that information on company, their background, uh, and it's able to summarize it in a nice, efficient way. But what we're really moving to now is not using these sort of consumer tools, but building these tools with these great use cases into the flow of work, into enterprise applications like Salesforce. And we all use these things, you know, on our phones or using sort of personal uh, accounts to access uh, particular uh, generative AI tools. But we're now taking that technology, those large language models, and embedding it in the flow of work so you can safely use those things within uh, enterprise applications with trust and security very much at the heart. Now, most of my listeners are in the H professional. And would generative AI be something applicable in their daily course of work as well? What would be some examples, use cases that people like them might be able to leverage off generative AI? I mean, I think it's applicable across everything, sales, service, marketing, back office, HR. So for example, the generative stuff could very much be used by HR practitioners to speed up the time it takes them to do research on candidates, speed up the process of writing candidates' letters, maybe summarizing the results of an interview. Maybe if they have two or three different um, feedbacks coming from different panelists to an interview and they want to summarize all of those responses together into a succinct statement that can be easy to read, you can put a lot of these things in. The generative AI will be able to summarize that. Maybe sending a letters, scanning through CVs, 
picking up interesting points that they may want to summarize a CV, you know, because I'm guessing a lot of time HR petitioners, and I've done this myself, where you've got a sort of six page CV, you're trying to find the interesting uh, items out of it. Generative AI could produce a summary of that very quickly. And AI could start looking out for keywords, looking out for particular topics that you want a candidate to mention as part of pre-screening. So there's a few things that come to mind, particularly on the recruitment side for HR. Now, I've also spoken with a few HR yesterday during an event, and some of them did express enthusiasm, but as well as fear about even thinking of AI. To them, this seems to be a black box. They do not know where to start. Would it take over their job? Are you also seeing or having conversation with people who may be a bit more fearful rather than optimistic about generative AI? I think there is that element of it, but what we see generally, and this is the results of a survey, is, is great enthusiasm for the use of AI. So 88% of IT leaders in APAC believe that generative AI will have a, a will be really prominent role in the new organization. And 93% of people are experimenting with, with AI at the moment say it makes them more productive. So I think what you can see, and this is a recent survey that we conducted in Singapore, was that this generative AI stuff, when it's used and it's used correctly, is really turbo-boosting productivity. So for us, it's really about, and that's why we've called our latest product, Einstein Copilot. It's really having an assist, somebody to help you do mm. these tasks, somebody to guide you. And using the airplane analogy, your co-pilot is the person who's got your back, got, your, got the controls, and is helping you out on your journey. And could you expand a bit about some of the uh, practical examples of how one would uh, make use of Einstein Copilot? So we launched Einstein Copilot officially during Force back a few months ago, but we've been building these generative AI features in our products since July um, last year, or July this year, I should say. So they've been uh, generally available in the sales and service. But what you'll see in Salesforce releases three times a year, you'll see these generative AI features become more and more prominent in the releases you know, over the next um, uh, two, three, four quarters, et cetera. So for example, in the sales, in the sales area, uh, in the product at the moment, you're able to help automatically generate sales emails, reach out emails to customers. You're able to uh, send follow-up emails. And instead of it just being a general email, you know, dear customer, we'd like to meet, you can actually ground that with data from your CRM. And that's where we think Salesforce has an advantage because Salesforce is the customer company. We know the customers. We know our customers. We have built that, that data in the platform on them. So when you create this generative stuff, it's not generic. It is grounded with data and it's specific to the customer that you're reaching out for. So you can create highly personalized um, responses. Mm. Uh, in the service side as well, a lot of customer service agents spend a lot of time chatting, looking up information, trying to draft nice responses. We're able to embed a generative AI to help. So it can look at public data, it can look at private data, and it can help suggest to the agent in nice language, ready to send to the customer what the next response should be to the conversation. And they're able to edit that or they were just to send that straight to the customer. And that's having massive sort of productivity gains. And these are just the first two use cases that we rolled out mm. in July this year. Many more are coming, which turbocharged with the. And to the survey that you mentioned earlier on, are there some other interesting findings that you can share about the survey? It's interesting. I mean, 67% of Singapore workers really agree that companies that are seen as proactive on AI are, are more attractive to them. So I think from a uh, employment perspective and from companies wanting to attract talent, what our survey shows is that uh, employees who see the company having a strong AI focus, providing training and, 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 and really um, utilizing these tools are much more attractive. In fact, 51% said that from a career development, they believe 
them being uh, familiar and using generative AI would potentially increment their salary and 49% said it would affect a promotion. And 32% said they mm. had to move companies if their current company wasn't really embracing this generative AI. So companies looking at this, it's not just the productivity gains that generative AI can give. It's also how do you retain your workforce and how do you keep your workforce motivated and involved if you're not um, in, in empowering them with these tools? That's really interesting because I have heard of stories of many banks because of how much more highly secure they are. They don't really allow uh, internal network access to ChatGPT or anything like that. So, so those companies may be actually be on the brunt of getting all this sentiment from their people, from the talent, because you're not letting me use ChatGPT or any of this tool in the company. I prefer to go somewhere else. It's true. And I'll actually give you two more interesting stats here. And I'll just read this one. 48%, which is one in two, uh, are using an AI the platform that their employer has banned. So nearly 50%. And of course, as we mentioned at the beginning of this chat, you can use it on your personal devices. You can use it on your phone. But from a company perspective, mm. what's happening? What data are you sending across to that large language model? How can you trust that the employer who's using that banned device is really keeping your data secure? And, and how can you make sure that they are mm. not leaking this data into large language models? And as you know, the challenge with large language models is they remember. Uh, you can't delete, you can't go back on them. So once you put this data out there and the large language model has learned it, there's no way of removing it or going back on that. And that's what we've seen with some data leaks from major companies where data has been mm. done to products like ChatGPT, and then it's recalled for everybody to be able to see. So, you know, companies should be worried, to be honest, that 50% odd are using these tools, even though they're banned. And an interesting one is mm. making smile, 53% uh, have presented a generative AI as their own work multiple times. Uh, you know, people are not just using it, uh, they're taking the credit for it. And, that's over half of the people we survey have done that and multiple times. So I think ignoring it and hoping it will go away and banning mm. it is not necessarily the answer. Mm. Well, the answer is finding a way to utilize this technology, to utilize the benefit, but with trust um, and ethics mm. core. And that's really why Salesforce is building these things into our product, into the flow of work. Mm. And we're building them with very much with trust. And uh, part of that is the technical solution on what we call our trust layer which is the ability to mm. be controlled over what data AI sees, to mask data so you're not sending personal identifiable information across, zero retention so models will not remember what you've done, toxicity detection to make sure that you, the response coming back is safe for a customer, auditability. So we're building this trust layer to connect your highly secure, highly controlled data to almost the mm. west of large language models and bridge that gap between mm. highly trusted and public in public uh, models. Now, personally, I have tried using many LLMs, ChatGPT, Cloud2, Googlebot, etc. And I do feel that even for someone like me who is quite familiar with Boolean search term, something that I could transfer over to prompt engineering, there's still a fair level of friction. I mean, you can easily get a simple answer out of AI, but to get a better answer, a sophisticated one, a unique one, there has to be certain level of training. Are there things that individuals should try to sort out for in terms of upskilling themselves to be better prepared or better equipped in all this prompt engineering? Or on the other side, what can businesses do to enable and to empower their workforce with training on generative AI? That's right. So, so nearly 38% of the people we survey said the lack of training is a top barrier to using AI more. They're not really sure how to do it. And that's close to 40%. 
and and eighty nearly eighty percent seventy eight percent to the lack of defined policies on how AI can be used at work is what's holding them back as well. So this training and this enablement of people around these skills, I think, is is very important. Um, you mentioned prompt engineering. Um, you know the way that we believe you get good quality responses from generative AI is to ground those responses in good quality data. So in, instead of fine tuning the model when you're passing the prompt across, you're grounding that. You're adding really good quality data. So that might be knowledge articles, that might be customer data, that might be external data. You're adding that data to the prompt so that the large language model has that data and can then produce a good quality response back on it. And that's what we call dynamic grounding of the prompt. And that's where, uh, together with a trust layer to be able to strip out that first information and do this in a trustworthy way, we use our trust layer to be able to make sure you get those good quality prompts. But again, a technical solution is not the only answer. We launched Einstein Copilot Studio. So that has a template builder, a skill builder, bring your own model. So it uses click not code. So we think that these features will be enabled by people who can not necessarily have to code, but they will have to have some element of knowledge about AI and what they're doing. And that's why we're also investing in skills training. So through Trailhead and through other initiatives like a knock and tech in Indonesia, where we're training a hundred thousand students into CRM. And last week I was in the Philippines with a signing with Ayala Foundation, where we're enabling their scholars uh, for the UGO digital and uh, AI and CRM. So it's a combination of publicly available stuff we've got for our trailhead network and also investing in the next generation of uh, employees, getting them trained up and familiar with these new technologies from the university level. Mm. So for companies that may be looking to implement generative AI outside of what Einstein has already covered, are there any common best practices, advices that you may have for them? Well, many companies, we talk about the generative AI. And just, as we said, this is the exciting thing at the moment. Many companies want to talk about generative AI. Many CEOs are putting this as their top priority. Many CIOs want to talk about it. Um, and there is great benefit to have for generative AI. But I also encourage people not to forget predictive AI. Predictive AI, as I mentioned, is already working at scale, trillion odd predictions per week, just in Salesforce platform alone. It's already there to provide some great benefits. And then going, stepping back one step further, great AI needs great data. And where many companies mm. challenge is that data exists in silos around their organization. In fact, around 71% of customers' applications are disconnected. So you've got customer data in your health system, in your service system, in marketing, in HR. How do you bring all that data together? so that AI could run on a really great data set. And many companies, the big companies can have as many as 900 applications that can hold customer data. So a great place to start is really to get the data in order. And Salesforce has launched uh, the Salesforce Data Cloud, which brings internal and external together to create a unified view of your data. So that when you run the AI, you're running it on a complete set of data, data in Salesforce and data externally. And that great quality data is gonna help produce great quality AI. So I think there's a lot of benefits on the generative stuff, but I always encourage customers as well to go back, make sure the data is in order, look at the predictive stuff, and then the generative stuff will then build on that in the future as well. And for the companies that you have so far witnessed, are there also some common mistakes or pitfalls that you can share so that our audience will be able to learn from and sidestep from them? Well, I think as I mentioned before, you've got to implement these technologies with trust. And you, you've got to remember that companies spend millions of dollars on protecting their data protect, and, and protection of your data is critical in order to maintain trust with your customers. So 
when these new technologies come along, some of the mistakes I guess some companies make is that they sort of quickly jump on a bandwagon of unproven technology, maybe with companies they're unaware of, and they start implementing this thing in a rush to get this stuff going. And what that means sometimes is that you can compromise the data safety, security, integrity of what you're doing. And when you're dealing directly with customers, you want to be very careful. I have a number of customers who have said to me, well, why can't I link my chatbot directly into a large language model? Why can't I just link it into a large language model? And then that will just respond and it will be a great customer experience. Mm. And to an extent, that's true. The chatbot will be able to come up with nice sounding responses. But do you want a large language model to be acting as your customer service agent with no supervision, with no human in the middle? Suddenly your chatbot says, don't worry, Mr. Customer, we'll give you a first class upgrade on your next flight. That person's going to rock up at the check-in desk and show this from your, from your company and say, hey, why are you not honoring this? And you can say, I don't know where that came from, the chatbot, though it made that up itself. So companies seem very keen to jump into using this technology, and it's true. But some of the pitfalls is being forgetting that trust aspect, forgetting that data security, protect, forgetting that, that um, integrity you want to be able to create. And then also maybe jumping ahead and taking the human out. And that's why all the stuff that Salesforce is doing, certainly for the moment, has that human in the loop. You raise a very good point because across all the public LLMs I've tested, there is always this tendency that the LLM will hallucinate, yeah. which means they will start making things up and then you have to ask them to verify, validate again. They will apologize and say, oh, I'm so sorry for giving you yeah. false information. But for anyone who may not be detailed enough and take that at face value, you would think that's the gospel truth. For for internal LLMs, like the one that uh, Salesforce is using, how do you ensure that the LLM will not hallucinate? How, what are some of the guardrails that you put around it so that your people or the users do not have to constantly check with the chatbot again and again just to verify information? So, so Salesforce is adopting an open architecture. So we allow companies to bring their own AI models. We connect into models like OpenAI, Anthropic, Cohere, et cetera, Salesforce hosts models. So. We're creating an opening uh, ecosystem where people can connect into a variety of different large language models. Hallucination in large language models is not always a bad thing. Hallucination is how the model is able to be creative and come up with new stuff. But of course, as you mentioned, when it starts making up stuff and making promises and statements that sound very authentic and to a user sounds like it's the truth, then you're in a bit of a problem. And as I said before, the way we do that is, is around dynamic rounding. So you give as much information to the prompt as, as possible so that the large language model doesn't make stuff up. So you don't rely on the large language model to, to become the source of truth. You provide the truth using your trusted company data to the large language model. And then you use that generative capabilities of the large language model to come up with a nice response. But you're not necessarily using the large language model as your source of information. That source of information comes from your trusted company sources and is embedded in the prompt for our dynamic grounding. As you continue to be in the deep end of the pool on all things generative AI, where do you see us moving in three to five years' time? How do you foresee or forecast how generative AI will impact the way we work in a few years' time? I personally think this is probably the biggest technology revolution I will certainly witness in my lifetime. I think it's a defining point in technology for, the, for our generation. Um, if you look, if you jump forward three to five years, I think work will be very different. You will have the ability for your, the technology, for your co-pilot to be able to do a large amount of the stuff that sucks up a large amount of your time. So you won't have to spend a lot of time researching. You won't have to spend a lot of time reading through things. You won't have to spend a lot of time 
drafting messages. You don't have to spend a lot of time reading through mountains of text to try to get the message. Your co-pilot would be there on your side, summarizing things for you, generating content, giving you suggestions. And what you'll see is I think this is embedded across many products, Salesforce products, but, you know, other technology products as well, where you're going to see this generative stuff become very much ingrained in the way we do work. And you would just get very used to the fact that you don't have to write anything. You, you have a draft prepared by your co-pilot. You don't have to read a long document. You press the button and there is the summary ready for you. So I think that's where I can see things going. And certainly that's Salesforce's roadmap over the next 12 to 18 months to be enabling these features. I'm looking forward to a future where I don't even have to touch a keyboard for the entire day because I can just tell the computer what to do and it can recognize my voice, my accent accurately. And with that, thank you so much, Gavin, for coming onto the show. Any final words or thoughts that you would like to share with the audience? Well, I think, again, thank you very much for your time. I mean, I'm personally very excited about the generative AI stuff and I think it's really going to be, um, yeah, going to be big. My only final comment is how do you do this with trust and ethics very much at the heart? And that's why Salesforce is really looking at this very much through a trust lens and through an eth ethics lens. I think generative AI has fantastic capabilities. As we shoot via server results, it can't be ignored. The productivity gains are too large. The excitement, the, the benefits are too large for it to be ignored. Uh, but companies have to find a way of implementing this safely with trust. They have to find a way of, of implementing this based on good quality data. And they have to find a way of implementing this without compromising uh, this, the system. And as we saw in the survey, if they don't do this, uh, employee, uh, employees are going to be disgruntled because those tools are not going to be available to boost their productivity. So I think employees need to look at both productivity gains of generative AI and also how they can use this as a retention tool for their staff and how they can really uh, utilize tools like Salesforce Copilot to boost productivity and enable a new way of work. Or they may not even have employees to begin with because all of them has left. Well, you know, the, the model in, in the future, who knows what, what happens in three to five years' time. I very much doubt it and hope not. I really hope that this technology really becomes productivity boost and, and a co-pilot to really turbocharge people's productivity and let people work on higher value tasks and then raise the game when it comes to customer service, when it comes to marketing, more personalization, just a better experience. So it allows the humans to spend time doing really high value tasks and the generative AI stuff is going to do a lot of that background research and summarization and drafting of content. Awesome. Always lovely speaking with you. Thank you, Gavin, for coming on to the show. Thank you so much, Ogan.